0: Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and at the crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is sponsored by Philip Lee, one of Ireland's fastest growing corporate law firms and expert advisors at the heart of the Dublin and London startup, fintech, and crypto communities. On the show this week, we've got...
1: Hello, I'm Michael Korty, founder and CEO of Exodex.
2: And... Hi, I'm Lucas Brull, and I'm the co-founder of Exodex.
0: Exidex are enabling investors to unlock more returns with their existing investments through DeFi or decentralized finance. Exidex are the ninth founding team forming the Launchpool Web3 Techstars Accelerator Class of 2022 that we got on the show in the lead-in to Demo Day on June 30th. In this episode, Owen Fitzgerald and I talked to Michael and Lucas about how their backgrounds uniquely prepared them to bring Exidex to life, how Exidex are bridging real-world assets into DeFi what the opportunity set looks like when enabling yield enhancement strategies to real-world investors, and the crossover between Web3 and Violin Virtuosos, all right here on Money Never Sleeps. Guys, there's some blood on the streets the last couple of days in crypto, don't you think?
1: Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, it awful times, but... um. I'm sure we're gonna learn from, from, from the lessons at the moment and, and recover and build back better. That's my view on it. Look, on, yeah. look for the upside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of feeling like the bankless guys expressed themselves quite well on this emergency bear market episode they did earlier this week. That was the long-term sign of success at crypto is not prices, it's time, right? And are we still here? Are we still existing? Are we still progressing? you know the shorter term market cycles driven by all sorts of unique situations that we're in from a macro perspective right now it's just completely unprecedented we've never seen this before
1: i mean i mean just understanding where the real value is that there's a lot of value that that crypto brings and, and its potential uh, to revolutionize many industries and uh, taking that long-term view yes then you're 100 right that whatever short-term gyrations we're experiencing in the market right now in the grand scheme of things it will not stop us from from achieving the disruption that blockchain definitely has potential to do
0: and deliver. All right cool well listen guys why don't we just jump right in and get started and where I'd like to start is with your backstory Michael and how you got to this point maybe bring us up to speed with what got you to the point of founding Exitx.
1: Wow how, how much time have I got Pete?
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: (laughs) I could take the whole, you're going to have to cut me short on that one, but no, I'll I'll try and be as brief as possible. So, I mean, where, where should I start? So born and bred in London to, to immigrant parents, really good, stable family upbringing, which allowed me to navigate school and uni and and, and certainly my first graduate job with CSC financial services, which is probably the, the best place to start. Um, so yeah, I, I joined CSC, which now they're now DXC back in the late nineties. It was the time of the internet boom. I always, as an entrepreneur at at heart, I always had this ambition of not wanting to try to make my way up the corporate ladder. I always wanted to do something. So even a a year or a couple of years into, to my graduate job, I was thinking of, of ways in which to build a business at the time. Then an e-commerce startup venture was what I was working on with my brother. And similarly to now, the market crashed. That then we had the, the dot com bust. And perhaps we weren't as far advanced as we are, let's say, with respect to, to Exedex. So at the time my brother and I decided to stop. But that led me into contracting. I, I built on the skills I had learned through through CSC to work for over 20 plus years in, in the financial services space. And that really is one of the drivers for 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 Exodex. It's the experience that I gained working in financial services and understanding Later on, it didn't happen immediately, but there was an epiphany where I realized once I understood what was going on with decentralized finance how much better the infrastructure could be how much more efficiently things could run using all of the innovation of, of blockchain technology and and decentralized finance which is building on top of it so that's one of the the sources of of inspiration behind exodex and, and the other one is a little bit more personal the other one is actually just down to my own inadequacies as a financial investor specifically with with stocks And uh, over the years, I've experienced the the highs and lows of investing. And that probably was another spark uh, uh, behind this idea with respect to um, trying to find out if there was a better way to invest, uh, a better way to to invest in products with more predictable return patterns. And that was the origin story of, of the specific concept that I started with with Exodex. Once I realized that within crypto there were many projects also trying to address similar issues around risk and volatility in, in their markets. I started reading their project papers and then realized oh not only are there other people trying to solve similar problems but there's all this amazing innovation going on why not look at this space more closely and try to build something here. So so that's the backstory behind Exodex and um, certainly how I, how, how I pitched it to Lucas.
0: What I love about this that startup founders are so unique that what you set out to do is just an output of you as an individual. Looking at your background, Michael, and seeing how many complicated technical change projects you went through over those 20 years, that repetition that you've gone through of figuring out really hard problems, really hard technical problems in financial markets and insurance and doing that alongside your own investment journey. It just seems like it's a perfect recipe for what you guys are setting out to do with Exodex. Am I reading into that properly?
1: Yeah, d- definitely, definitely, Pete, and not couldn't, couldn't agree more. And just one, one point on that, certainly over the years, that complexity has just got increased and increased in traditional finance. And, and I certainly feel that there's, there's so much opportunity to do it better in, in this new world, albeit that, that it comes with its own challenges, which we'll touch on shortly.
0: Gotcha. And Lucas, we're going to move over to you. It was awesome that you and I met at the DeFi Live conference in London after that intro from Christian Davies. Shout out to Christian. He's a great guy. So maybe tell us how you got to that point of meeting me that day at DeFi Live in London and obviously having got together with Michael and a number of months back before that.
2: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, my story starts in in Vienna, actually. I grew up in Austria. I was very lucky to grow up in, in a city with you know uh, lots of opportunities, beautiful city, went to high school, played some tennis, uh, did, played some violin, so tried out different things, but kind of was convinced that it's time to leave after school with 18, 19 arounds. And uh, uh, yeah, I've headed to the UK. I uh, headed to the UK to start my studies. Over the the last five years, I've got the opportunity to to really study a broad range of degrees. I started finance, but then also did law, uh, analytics, and business. So went to universities including Cambridge, Imperial College in London, Warwick University, and UCL Law School. But next to university, I I also Started to experiment experiment a bit with traditional industries, so I interned in investment banking, in, in law and consulting. So I was with Credit Suisse for a while, was with McKinsey um, for a while and also with Lakeman Watkins. But also then realized that my my personality is is all about entrepreneurship. I want to build, you know, ventures and gain my first experience by setting up a, a research venture students community of merger side with my my roommate first roommate at the university which basically helps students to understand what's happening in financial markets particularly Em M&A, private equity because we had, we realized there's a big problem for students to really understand why deals are happening what the synergies are what the risks and uncertainties of deals are and yeah rather than you know planning that as a business we just literally aim to solve a problem. And we did that by concisely publishing reports about those deals and found a lot of people that found it really interesting and helpful. And that was the first time where I realized there is an incredible opportunity to solve problems out there and nothing more exciting than doing that. So that kind of then led me to realize I want to be an entrepreneurship for sure. I got to Cambridge. And when I got to Cambridge, I realized the incredibly powerful nature of crypto to, to an even greater level. I mean, I was interested been it for a while. I was reading about it. I was investing a bit in it, but I certainly wasn't involved in, in in venture building crypto. But then, yeah, I met Michael. You know, He had an initial draft of a crypto solution. I met lots of people in the blockchain club in Cambridge, uh, and that's when I started to dig deeper and deeper. Ended up in a rabbit hole and, uh, yeah, finally ended up in this space full-time now. So, yeah, it, it, I kind of started with more traditional industry experiences, but then I moved closer and closer to, you know, the entrepreneurship journey. And that's where I'm at now.
0: Yeah. It's fascinating. seems like really quickly, you got quite a number of immersive experiences that have totally enriched your view of the world.
2: Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, I was just really trying to get experience in, you know, as many fields as possible. I think the world nowadays is more complicated than any time before. I think it's all about, you know, having a a good understanding of, of, of different fields, connecting the dots and uh, yeah, having a, a diverse background of, of, of skills ultimately. And that's, that was my main focus. That was my main goal. I think I, I did a, a decent job in, in doing that based on industry experiences, but also degrees. But now it's really all about bringing it all together and leveraging those experiences and skills to build a, a great business. And I think we, we all on onto exactly that.
0: Well, listen, let's shift gears a little bit now and talk about ExitX. X. Tell us where you got to with ExitX, X, what it is, why it's unique, why it makes so much sense for the two of you to be working on this right now.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go and jump in, Lucas, as well with with your views on it. But no, Xdex, I mean, as you know, Pete, we came in to to Techstars all about building the next generation of financial products and leveraging all that that exciting innovation in in the DeFi space to build on top of that and create products that ultimately, in years to come, would service the mass market. And I think we're still very much staying true to that, that general vision, but certainly one one lesson learned coming into textiles was that while we had spent a lot of time really working on product concepts and designs and, and kind of locking ourselves in the room and, and, and focusing primarily on, on what we could offer, what sort of products we could build, we hadn't done enough of, of of sort of customer discovery and really getting out there and talking to as many people as possible about what their pressing needs are and what 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 would be an ideal first product for for our customer base so so, something we certainly have done really well on textiles and and we've learned a lot along the way talking to as many people as possible to really refine our offering and as such now what we've certainly realized is one of the biggest pain points is that there is this sort of separation between the worlds of traditional finance and and decentralized finance and completely different worlds and and dare i say at this present point in time different mindsets with, with both worlds not really sort of connecting to each other and ultimately that is where the value add can come from building that bridge between between the two worlds and in in doing so creating products that deliver real value leveraging both the the best of traditional finance uh, and decentralized finance so that is what we're looking to do right now we have taken the lessons from and, and the feedback from our customer discovery sessions we are looking to build a product that will allow customers to leverage their traditional financial investments, be it uh, stocks, ETFs, bonds, or whatever, and to leverage those investments to then get into the world of DeFi without having to spend additional cash in doing so, so they, they can use those investments as collateral. And thereafter, we will execute strategies on behalf of our customers, ranging from sort of low risk, medium risk, all the way up to high risk strategies, where they can benefit from all the yield enhancing opportunities that are now available in DeFi. So that is the, the broad brush idea. I'll pause there for such such that Lucas, you can jump in and, and and put your spin on it on it
2: as well. Yeah, no, I think you did a you did a great job. I mean, we just explored that in a lot of detail. We had conversations with pretty much almost every institutions, ranging from smaller family offices to you know some of the biggest financial service companies in the world, and it just. Was a pretty clear pattern after a while to see that this bridge doesn't exist, right? And uh, that is a, a problematic thing for particularly those more traditional um, uh, family offices that are used to you know traditional financial instruments. And yeah, that's that's why we got more and more uh, convinced that there is a, a great opportunity tapping to tap into that. And uh, yeah, that's that's what led us to to the current product design. I also think that particularly looking at the market right now, where you can borrow cash. With crypto, uh, but you cannot borrow crypto with all those uh, trillions of traditional financial assets. Uh, that there is a massive opportunity to tap into that space, and that's why we, uh, you know, started exploring that or went in that direction afterwards.
3: And guys, it's it's great to hear that because obviously I met you back at the start of the TechStars program, and you were one of the names I would have mentioned to Pete after you know that I was t- particularly interested in seeing how you kind of progressed through it because. My own view would be that, you know, obviously, Pete is far deeper down the rabbit hole on Web3 than I would be, and I'm a somewhat of a skeptic to some degree, but mainly because I think it's a bit too innovative currently, and there needs to be that gap. There's people who are willing or interested in kind of, you know, making the jump across, but that, you know, the pathway needs to be there, there needs to be something in the middle that allows me to continue to operate with my existing kind of investment portfolio or whatever, and allow me to then kind of dip into DeFi space and the crypto world in a more kind of structured way. So it's, it's great to see that that's kind of where things have ended up versus when we talked even, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, back in April, I think it was.
1: Feels like donkeys ago. <laughs> But no, c- c- certainly, and 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 that certainly was the sentiment from a lot of the of the discussions. and And one other thing is w- what we've learned as well is you know a lot of people are busy. they've they've got their everyday lives to deal with, you know, raising the kids, paying a mortgage, w- working full time, and and whatever else they've got going on. So as much as they might be interested in this exciting new world, it's just impossible to keep up to date with, with the, the pace of innovation and, and that even whittles down to understanding why there are additional yield enhancing opportunities that, that DeFi offers over traditional finance. So it's it's really kind of with that mindset, taking sort of those pain points and, and shaping a product around it. That is really the journey we've been on and, and how we've settled on on this value proposition at this point in time.
0: Hey everyone, this is Pete. And let me tell you about the folks at Philip Lee. A few years ago, I was at my first venture capital industry dinner in Dublin, and honestly, I felt a bit lost. I bumped into Andrew Tazali, one of the partners at Philip Lee. He bought me a pint and introduced me to the team, and they took me under their wing. That take you under their wing approach has been what I've heard consistently from fintech and crypto startups who I know have worked with Philip Lee in Dublin and London to help them wrap the right legal framework around their business, fundraising, and regulatory needs and I can't recommend them enough. Get in touch with the team at philiplee.ie or on moneyneversleeps.ie slash philiplee to learn more. And I'm glad you guys got to this point because I'd had a bunch of experience in the past in securities lending, or at least in the framework of securities lending and that where you've got a big pension fund that is holding assets, they're able to reuse those assets or lend them to investment banks, to other lending programs. And then they generate yield off of those inventory of assets. But that's only really been available to the big, big pension funds and big institutional mutual funds. It's really costly to put that type of program in place for smaller funds, wealth affluent, investors, family offices, whatever, that only have much smaller inventory of assets. Why can't we make that available for others? You know, and it's complicated. So even in my 401k that I still have, I've got assets I'm holding for the long term, I'm not putting them to work would it be possible to actually earn further yield on those? And I think that, you know, it's very much needed in the world. Like you said, it's a great case study for bringing together traditional finance and the mechanisms that I just talked through and the opportunities to actually generate yield off of those assets, in the DeFi market. So you guys are definitely on the right track here. Yeah. Thanks Pete. So with all that in mind, what's the longer term vision, right? How big can this get, you know, what does it look like? When you've got, say, a critical mass of individuals or institutions or family offices, they're leveraging exit X to generate more yield on their investments through DeFi. What other innovations does this open up? Where else can it go?
1: Yeah. Uh... <laughs> It might sound cliched, but I really think that the sky's the limit, purely when you look at the size of the markets that we're talking about. So, DeFi has done phenomenally well. It's grown to around $140 billion as in market size in literally a few years, um, but that's just a pin drop when you compare it to to the size of traditional finance and markets in in, in stocks, in, in, in ETFs, in, in mutual funds, index funds, pension funds, you name it. So there, there's going to be a tipping point where when you build sort of products like this, the, the sort of bridge products, as Owen, as you rightly said, that can bring those two worlds together, there will ultimately be, be a tipping point where that capital starts to flow in. And so so really, we're talking about trillion dollar markets in years to come. Is how big this could be. So trillion dollars worth of capital from institutions, but of course individuals as well, consumers, opening up the opportunity for them to, to to leverage their investments. Certainly, in all the conversations we've held, there's a high desirability for for this type of product. People seem to get it, um, and they can see the benefits of of putting putting their assets to work so yeah in a nutshell i, I really think there is a, a huge upside a huge value add for customers and that obviously translates to then really big market size and, and potential market in in the future
0: yeah i'm with you you know and i was thinking about the other side of it right we heard the news about celsius in the last couple of days right oh and i'm not sure if you saw the news but yep following the the bad news <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah, well, it feels like that's all there is right now, right? So unless you think for the long term, then it's just wonderful, good news. So I read a little bit about Celsius this morning. I saw what was going on, and it all felt a little bit Lehman Brothers-ish, just to quote someone on Twitter, with the reuse and reuse and reuse of assets over and over again. And there was some sentiment that you shouldn't have been able to do that with crypto, but the reality is you can. It's just that the difference is between crypto and traditional finance with reuse of assets is that it's traceable. You could see based upon assets moving from one blockchain to the next on what's happening. So in looking at how you guys are going to be doing this with Exodex and taking custody of people's assets. You're going to be holding them in custody and leaving them there, or are you are going to be reusing them?
1: No, so the, the, the plan is certainly with the traditional assets, hold them in custody and then basically using the innovation in DeFi, create assets that we can then leverage in DeFi. But no, certainly one, the, there are lessons to be learned and, and we are learning every day around, you know, the, the, the potential pitfalls of some of the business models that are out there. There, there is no doubt that while there's all this amazing innovation, there are also some experimental business models that may not be sustainable. And the trick is to learn as much as possible about that and and avoid that path, because our vision is genuinely to, to, to deliver a sustainable business that creates real value in the long run and that has a solid foundation and such that it will not crash overnight in the macro downturn so yeah there are lessons to be learned and i think lucas you've certainly done a lot of reading as well on with respect to to recent events so i'll, I'll let you have your say here as well
2: yeah no i mean i, I could not say it better than, than you did i think particularly markets like this at the moment you realize that People are looking for the for the real value, right? They're looking for opportunities that are robust against, you know, dynamics and against models that are ultimately not, not sustainable, subject to to massive shocks. For sure, there are bull markets and the bear markets. That, that has always been the case and that will continue to be the case. But, um, you know, people are looking for trust. They're looking for credibility. They're looking for reputation. And I think there is a, a great opportunity, particularly in crypto, To build a venture around those values and that's why you know around all these great product design sessions that michael and i had our key focus always has been to create something around those values that popped up over and over again particularly over the last couple of weeks with institutional investors as much as with uh, retail investors uh yeah we do strongly believe that uh, it's not just about the product it's about what the product wants to express what it wants to solve uh, and that obviously includes not just some fancy product designs that are stable, but it also very much is about security, credibility, trust, reputation, uh, and all of those things are, uh, that we are looking at. Basically. In this market, it becomes more and more apparent how important that actually is.
3: And guys, what what do you see would be the biggest challenges in the next kind of, let's say, 12 to 18 months as you look to scale the business?
1: well certainly i mean given recent macro events that, that's you know with with the market downturn it is going to be a lot harder despite all the innovation and, and and that new projects can bring to to raise funding in in this environment we're fully aware of that we believe we've got a fantastic proposition um so, so we're very confident there, but those conversations that would have happened a lot, a lot faster and decisions made a, a lot quicker, probably are going to take a little bit longer now. So we're we're aware of that given, given the current macro climate at the moment. Next to that, obviously, that the, the legal slash regulatory landscape for this field is a minefield. We are working very closely with with our lawyers to to navigate this path. And and we do internally have a reasonably good understanding of of the complexity. So we are pretty confident there, but nevertheless, it's a fast moving space, Um, different proposals in in different markets. So we're going to have to keep tabs, not just in in Europe, which is where we're intending to start, but certainly the U S market in particular. Also, Asia, those markets. We just need to keep tabs with with what's going on and the change in the legal and regulatory climate. So for me, those are the ultimately the the biggest challenges that we will need to address in the near future.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. But I think at the same time, you know, we we look look at the markets positively. It's all about the long run. And if you look at the the, the last crisis, biggest bigger crisis of the last centuries, you will find that some of the most valuable companies were built in markets where it was time to build and i just see that as a, as a repetition of that uh, there is still a lot of capital out there that needs to be deployed obviously there will be more due diligence the capital needs to be deployed in projects that create real value uh, the good thing is that's exactly what we do and from that perspective i'm looking at it very positively uh, to build now uh, to to get a great team around it and uh, to make sure you know we, we, we will execute on that and then when the time is is right uh, and it will be right again you know then Uh, then then many people out there will will realize the value that was great over uh, the few months of of the bear market. Uh, Maybe more than a few months, whatever. What matters is the value you create, and uh, that's what we certainly do.
0: Yeah, exactly. You just don't know. I mean, the bear market is the bear market. And people are saying, build the dip. But it's a little bit more than that right now. It's build the bear, Right. You know i see the focus that you guys have that listen this is a plan this is what we're going to build this is what we're going to achieve with it this is how much money we need for it you know regardless of what's going on in the market will it be more difficult to get funding yeah well it will be but it depends really upon the angle of what you're building if you're in growth stage right now and you're looking for a series b or a series c well you know you might have a little bit of trouble but given that this is seed stage that you're going for like you said lucas there are plenty of funds with capital to deploy It's finding the right ones to have the right conversations in order to get this funded.
1: Yeah. And just one uh, final point there. I mean, I draw inspiration having experienced the dot-com bust and looking at some of the giants, the tech giants that grew after the the dot-com bubble burst, the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the Twitters of this world, you know, they all followed uh, after the the bubble burst. So for me, you know, I draw parallels to those times. And I think we certainly have a massive opportunity ahead of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just got to put your head down and build sometimes, like you said, Michael, some of the most important projects, some of the most important businesses that enable information flow around the world right now, the internet in general came out of the dot-com burst and people just putting their ideas in motion and building. So with that, Owen, do you want to take us into the final question that we ask everybody on this podcast?
3: Yes, absolutely. Guys, it's been a pleasure actually chatting away and finding out about how you've been getting on. The question I always love to ask at the end is to tell us something people wouldn't expect to know about you.
1: <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, that's the hardest question. But I think, yeah, we, we, we did discuss this beforehand. So we both play the violin or played wow. the okay. violin because obviously that, that was a number of years ago for me. But yeah, Luke's and I have done that. So That's something we have in common that's probably unusual, I would say.
2: The interesting thing about that is that we actually found it out as part of the the Techstars introduction session. So we never talked about that before, but then we we did the pitch and we realized at the pitch that that seemed to be exactly the same thing that we were pitching. I mean, it's it's again, it's a great great experience to 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 have. I think you know, when it comes to teamwork, communication, and just general help work, you know, there's there's nothing that can beat playing in an orchestra, playing an instrument. So, and I think that is also what, what we can see in working together. Uh, a lot of those values, a lot of that of those experiences we've gained many years ago, they're still here and have shaped us to the, the people we are now. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a great experience to have had, and certainly share a lot of values from that perspective.
0: And what would be each of your favorite songs to play on the violin? that's a difficult
1: one now.
3: Do we even know if they're the same? If you're both at the same level, (laughs) or is there a a vast difference in your uh, quality? (laughs) Okay, that's pretty good. But
2: yeah, I'm generally a big fan of of concertinos. I actually wouldn't be able to pick one because I love. Many of them. I would need to actually think about which one will have picked, but a lot of the concertinos, Mozart concertinos, are beautiful to play and are not just complex, but also can just express things that, you know, are difficult to express with others. So I enjoyed those the most, but equally Haydn, you know, was, was one of my favorites, but Mozart and Haydn probably would pick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My,
1: my, now, all the, that, that's, I mean, you remember the pieces. I just remember the notes, Lucas. That, that's that's, that's <laughs> as far as I can get. A, a Beethoven piece, I'm sure. I played one of those in my time, but yeah, it, it was a great experience being in an orchestra as well and having the opportunity to play at the Royal Albert Hall. That was my highlight oh. in my eight-year career Yeah, wow! as a violinist. And...
0: Very good. Very good. Well, you know, all eyes on you guys as so we move ahead, right? Just like you're at the Royal Albert Hall. So lots more to come, I expect. So listen, thank you guys for coming down to the show. Fantastic. Thank, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Owen. Thanks thanks very much, guys. That does it for this week, folks. Thanks to Michael and Lucas for opening up their minds to help us figure out why they do what they do. Links to get in touch with Michael and Lucas and learn more about X at X are in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie. So check us out online. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early stage startup investor and advisor focused on where fintech meets crypto and crypto meets Web3. If you'd like to talk to me about your business, drop me a line on info at moneyneversleeps.ie. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See ya!